Well, today we'll return again to this precious prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer that's given to us in Luke chapter 11. For myself, it seems that most often as I pray, my prayers are requests that I make to God for His help in matters that are immediate to my needs. Sometimes it can be an emergency. I might be about to fall or have some other kind of accident. And I call out to God for His help. And then at other times, I need guidance as I think through a matter. And at other times, then I call out to the Lord, especially in times when I need help in matters involving my children or other loved ones. I pray those kinds of prayers often throughout my day. And I'm so thankful that I have a loving, caring father who's always available to my every cry for help. And yes, as the years have gone by and the intimacy of my relationship with the Lord continues to grow and I find myself uttering words of thanks to him all throughout my day, thanking him for all the many things that he does for me and for my loved ones. Some of them big and important things, but also there are many, many small things, intimate things, things that might matter only to me. But he's always there and he's always listening and he's always reaching out to help. While some might not call it prayer, I also find often throughout my day that my mind wanders to just random thoughts about God and about how he is always so good and so trustworthy all throughout my days. I especially often think about how God is holy and how he's righteous. And I think that's so important for us to do because that helps me to really not want to disappoint him by violating his holiness with some meaningless thing that I might be doing. I think about how he has exhorted us, like in 1 Peter 1, where he tells us to be holy as he is holy. In that understanding of the word holy, it means that we are set apart for his purposes. And that's what he wants us to do, to be set apart for his purposes and for his glory. And as I think those thoughts, I ask the Holy Spirit to be my constant reminder that I'm to be holy as I go through all of those matters of the day where things are happening very quickly. I want to always respond in the right way. And also while the pattern of this prayer that we're studying about here that's given to us in the book of Luke really has a specific order, especially in those beginning words where we are praising His honor and glory. I'm comfortable also in knowing that though my prayers are often meandering kinds of prayers, that as His Son, that those manners of prayer are also exactly what He desires. And I would like to encourage each of us to know that this whole matter of prayer is simply one part of a big, all-encompassing, intimate relationship that we have with our Lord. And our prayers are simply just one part of an ongoing conversation that we should have with Him throughout our day. Now, with all that being said, if you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 11, 
And here today we see that we're moving on past that part of the prayer of honor and praise to Him. And we're moving into requests that He wants us to make to Him for all of our many needs of our day. And I want to emphasize that He is instructing us here to pray those prayers. It's not as if He doesn't want us to come to Him. Sometimes we think that we're bothering Him. We are not. He instructs us to bring all of these requests to Him. Let me read then these words from Luke chapter 11, beginning of verse 1. And it came to pass that as He was praying in a certain place, when He ceased, one of the disciples said to Him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught His disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now first, I want to take a brief moment to say that I love some of the secret meanings that are often hidden within some of the common words of these scriptures. Here in verse 1, we're told that as Jesus ceased to pray, he ceased to pray, that his disciples asked him to teach them to pray. Now, curiously, this word ceased, though it's translated in some of the versions of scripture as being finished or stopped, this word really means simply to pause. And I love that thought. Jesus simply paused in his praying to God the Father, which means that he most likely always remained in a condition of prayer to God the Father. I love that thought. And I would love for that to be that way with my own prayers. And then also, too, we need always to remember that humility. A humble and contrite heart is the first and most necessary attitude of heart that God desires for His children to have as we come to Him with our cries and petitions and requests. How many times have you heard people cry out in a less than humble manner to God? You and I must come to Him with a humble and contrite heart. Recall that Jesus told us about His own humility in Matthew chapter 11 where He said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Listen, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. As these words tell us, Jesus was the epitome of humility, humble beyond any measure that we can imagine. And he wants us, he wants you and me to be as he is, gentle and humble in heart. And also as we read back through the accounts in the Old Testament of the way that God provided for His beloved children, the Israelites, how so often Moses, a man described in these scriptures as being the humblest man on the face of the earth, he would need to intercede for the people when they behaved in a less than a humble manner. And they did that often. They did that often. You'll recall that The Israelites could often be frustrating in their behaviors towards God. And we see that right from the very beginning, the earliest days, as they came out of bondage there in Egypt. Instead of 
humble requests and petitions asking God to provide food for them, they immediately began to grumble and accuse Moses and, and even God of wanting them to starve to death. How foolish. But God in his great mercy and grace, he didn't respond to their behavior with the justice that they needed, that they deserved. But instead he showed them mercy and he showed them grace and he gave them a very special kind of bread from heaven. He gave them manna. Manna that would fall down like dew to the ground and provide them nourishing food for the day. And folks, in his gift of the manna, he also promised to bring it fresh to them each day. And that's so very important. It was their daily bread. They didn't need to be concerned about tomorrow. He promised to provide it each day. But as is often true within the human soul and so often with ourselves, some of those folks did not trust God's promise. And they took more than they should have. Only to have it mold. Only to have the excess mold and ruin. As a loving father, God is continually in the business of training us up. Training up his beloved children. Especially in the matters of faith and trust. And the daily provision of bread was a very intentional part of God's plan to train and to discipline his children in a daily dependence upon him. To train them to take no concern about tomorrow. That tomorrow would take care of itself. But as we read on further into the accounts of God dealing with his children, we find that, unfortunately, their faith and their trust and their satisfaction with God's provision for them, it would wane and it would eventually descend again into grumbling and complaining. As that manna became commonplace to them, they wanted something tastier to their appetites. They wanted meat like they sometimes enjoyed back in the land of Egypt. And again, instead of humbly crying out to God, they chose to be arrogant and to grumble. But on that occasion, as God did show them mercy and provided them with quail to eat, he also gave them a measure of suffering as a consequence for their complaining and lack of humility. And God will do that with us. We need to be careful of our grumbling and complaining. Examples and accounts like these of God's daily provision and care for his beloved children of Israel, they're a special intentional gift to you and me, if we'll only have ears to hear and eyes to see. These accounts remind us that we must not allow a complaining nature to develop within our souls, coveting the abundance that other people have. How often have you heard someone use the expression, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer? How often have you perhaps said that yourself? I have heard it come out of my own mouth, and I regret that. Coveting the abundance that other people have and grousing about how little we have. The underlying message to you and to me is that if we will turn our hearts to God each day, each day, and with a broken and contrite heart, humbly trust Him, He will generously, generously provide all the daily bread that we and our families could possibly need. And so, as we read in this instruction, in this prayer, give us this day our daily bread. We can really know 
and we can trust that God has the most gracious of intentions for us. He wants us to know that and to trust that it is Him, and it's Him alone who gives us our provision of daily bread. In John chapter 6, Jesus told us about that. He said, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. It was and always is God and God alone who makes all of our daily provisions for us. Not our own hands. It's not our employer, though the money may come through our employer. It's not welfare. It's not Social Security. It's not our retirement plan. But it's God and God alone who passes that money through their hands to us. He is the giver. God is the giver. And that's why we make our appeal to Him, saying, give us this day our daily bread. And the appeal for bread for only one day at a time bespeaks that essential nature of faith and trust. Just as the children of Israel were to only take one day's supply of that manna and then trust God for the next day's provision, so too, folks, are you and I to have that same daily trust. Jesus told us about that in Matthew chapter 6. Listen to these. These are familiar words. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. And your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all of these things will be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. Folks, God knows our daily needs. And He knows about all of the things that we'll need tomorrow. And He wants us to trust that He will meet all of those needs, both for today and tomorrow. Now, if we choose instead to trust our own wisdom and our own decisions, then yes, we might sometimes, we might sometimes receive some good things for a while. But folks, listen, the lesson of the molded manna should remind us that in a short time, any gains that we might have, they'll soon turn to losses. And then we'll be left hungry and wanting. Our prayers and our cries to God must have within them a humble, trusting faith. A faith that acknowledges that God is the one who really knows about all those things that we truly need for the day that we're living in. And He will generously give us enough for that day. But He'll also provide for tomorrow. If we trust Him for today... And our prayers are about today's needs. Those kinds of prayers truly do please God. Then also, why bread? Why does God use bread as the example? Bread is the humblest form of food. Just like those children of Israel in the wilderness. You and I do love other tastier foods. I must say that I probably enjoy 
steak and baked potato more than I enjoy eating a piece of bread. You might enjoy catfish or Mexican food more than you enjoy a piece of bread. But God is being very intentional in his concern that we remain humble. That we not be like those dear children there in Israel and become grumblers and complainers demanding the choicest of foods. A phrase that one of my favorite writers, John Piper, has coined is, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him, in His provision. Then also in Psalm 139, we're told that God knows every thought that we think. We don't have to say it out loud, whether we're being thankful, but especially if we are grousing over what we don't have. He knows our deepest desires. He knows every thought that comes into our mind. And beyond that, as we become more intimate and loving in our relationship with God, He will reach to extraordinary lengths to satisfy our longings and our desires. And so as with this asking for bread and being satisfied with it, if our hearts are truly satisfied with bread alone, with what his provision is alone, then folks, listen, no doubt, no doubt, God who knows and searches our hearts will also provide an abundance of additional delights for us. Why? It's because that's the way of a loving father. That's what a loving father does for his children. Now, thankfully also, our loving father doesn't stop at just providing for our fleshly needs. He also provides for our spiritual needs, the needs of our soul. Hidden again within these words, give us this day our daily bread, is a mysterious spiritual request. A request for God our Father to give us a far better bread than we've ever known before. The very, very special bread of Jesus himself. Listen again to those words I read to us just a moment ago from John chapter 6. There we're told, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the true bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I love the way that God hides his mysteries within his words and then he reveals them to us. As we need them. Here Jesus quickly turned the emphasis and the meaning of the instruction from meeting the needs of our body to meeting the needs of our soul. Jesus said, my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Here in these words, Jesus was speaking about himself. And he went on to say, listen, he went on to say, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me I shall lose nothing and shall raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that anyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. 
and I will raise him up on the last day. Folks, Jesus is the true bread, the bread of life. That bread of life gives us eternal life. Yes, he'll meet our daily physical needs, but far better, far better than all of that, he'll give us eternal life. Life that will have joy and satisfaction that's beyond anything that we could ever hope or imagine. And remember also, these these words, eternal life, eternal life begins now. It begins now in the present day, in our living years. We don't have to wait until we die to enjoy the sweet, enjoyable, comfortable life of knowing that we have eternal life. As you and I draw nearer to Christ each day, asking for our daily bread, He gives us a fresh supply of Himself, the Spirit of Christ, to live and to abide in us, to be our vine who will provide all of the fruits and all of the gifts of the Spirit to bless not only us, but to bless everyone with whom we have to do. That is the way of God the Father. That's the way of the true bread of life, the Lord Jesus. So then, in your prayer each day, come humbly to God the Father and ask for a fresh supply of daily bread. And God, who is able to examine your heart, will hear your prayer and will answer your plea. But folks, far beyond giving us the bread from this earth, he will give us the bread of heaven, the Lord Jesus. Listen again to these words of the Lord Jesus, and we'll close. Here, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I will lose nothing. Folks, that is a guarantee that we cannot lose our salvation. Once you have Christ as your Savior, you will never lose it. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I shall lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Let's pray. Oh, dear Father, thank you. Thank you for the bread of life. Thank you for providing for all of our needs today, the fleshly needs, the emotional needs, all of those things. But thank you most of all for providing us eternal life through the Lord Jesus. So we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We pray in Jesus' name.